Turn with me again, please, in your Bible and look with me again at the text from Judges chapter 8, verse 28 and following. Judges chapter 8 and verse 28, Thus was Midian subdued before the children of Israel, so that they lifted up their heads no more. And the country was in quietness forty years in the days of Gideon. And Jerubbabel, the son of Joash, went and dwelt in his own house. And Gideon had three score and ten sons of his body begotten, for he had many wives. And his concubine that was in Shechem, she also bare him a son whose name he called Abimelech. And Gideon, the son of Joash, died in a good old age, was buried in the sepulcher of Joash, his father, in Oprah. And I, uh, in Oprah of Abiezerites. And it came to pass as soon as Gideon was dead, the children of Israel turned again and went a whoring after Balaam and made Baal Beereth their God. And the children of the, if Israel remembered not the Lord their God, who had delivered them out of the hands of all their enemies on every side, neither showed they kindness to the house of Jerubbabel, namely Gideon, according to all the goodness which he had showed unto Israel. Turn with me in your hymn book again and we'll sing again. Please stand with me. We sing before the message number 532. In vain the world's alluring smile Would my unwary heart beguile Deluding world its brightest day Dream of a moment flits away to nobler bliss my soul aspires. Come, Lord, and fill these large desires with power and light and love divine. Oh, speak and tell me thou art mine. The blissful word with joy replete Shall bid my gloomy fears retreat And heavenly hope 
serenely bright, illumine cheer my darkest night. So shall my joyful spirit rise on wings of faith above the skies. Then dwell forever near thy throne In joys to mortal thought unknown Thank you. Be seated. How long? Is your shadow. I confess. Being as I am but a mortal man. That on a day like this. A season like this. I have felt the pressures. Of the world. To change my course. In my preaching. And take up the theme. That would that the world. Would have us to be consumed with. But I find no reason to leave the well-trodden paths of the scriptures to give obeisance to a false god of this season. And so we turn again to this text, which might well have been used, this message, which is now in two parts, this being the second week, this might well have been a good message for a New Year's gathering because in it I am asking you repeatedly to contemplate how long is your shadow? How far into the future will it stretch? We started out with that thought on last week looking at Gideon and we have come to this text in verse 28 having come right out of the record of that terrible, terrible mistake, that terrible crime that Gideon unwittingly committed. And because we had just come out of that consideration, I took in hand to entertain the question, why does God leave these records? Why does God leave his dearest and grandest servants exposed in the most deep and trying faults of their lives? We entertained that subject and allowed our dear blessed Father of days gone by, to answer that question for us. Rogers answered and gave us three, at least three explanations for why the Lord allows these records, indeed inspires and retains these records. And so we covered those in the last message and then 
I gave to you the broad and general outline that I shall use for the completion of this chapter. I said to you that I wanted to look at two points in particular. One is the marvelous magnanimity that can be found in the fruit of just one man's godly influence. And it was that first point that we started to undertake last week. But then, God willing, at the end of it, at the conclusion of the chapter, I will take up the magnitude of the malignity that can be found in just one generation's declension. And so then we took up the magnanimity that can be found in the fruit of just one man's influence. Verse 28 and 29 said, Thus was Midian subdued before the children of Israel, so that they lifted up their heads no more, and the country was in quietness forty years in the days of Gideon. And I took up with you on last week the definition, the Hebrew, for those two particular words, the word subdued and the word quietness. And the word dwelt and saw in those wonderful Hebrew words, we saw the extent of magnanimity created by just one man. And all of that, all of that bespeaks the shadow that he cast. Forty years, that's a long shadow. Forty years his shadow was cast over Israel. And that shadow is described as quietness. What a blessed, what a blessed thing. What a blessed testimony. But then I raised the question, and that's where I'd like to take up the message today. I raised the question, well, we might ask, what kind of man is this that would cast such a shadow? Or I prefer more specifically to put the question in this frame, what is it that we may find such a man doing to yield such results? A great question. Many, many, many years ago, I listened to a preacher, one that some of us here know, used to know. And he brought a message from John chapter 1 about John and brought a message on the marks of a godly man. What marks out a godly man? 
It's an interesting outline. I still have it in my Bible. And I'd like to pursue the same, a similar subject in the, in the question of, in the person of Gideon. What may we find such a man who can cast such a shadow? What may we find him doing? I give you as my answer. Number one, serving. What would we find a man who could cast this shadow? Such a shadow. What may we find him doing? And I say to you, serving. Of what sort of man may it be said that he subdued an entire Midianite nation and brought quiet to Israel for 40 years? What kind of man is that? I say to you, it's a serving man. You remember when first we meet this great deliverer he will be. Where do we find him? <laughs> oh, in chapter 6, where do we find him? He's in a wine press. Which is the place of lowest servitude. And what is he doing there? He's treading down the grain. He's threshing the grain, which is the task of the lowest servants. So he's in the place of lowest servitude. He's doing the task of the lowest servant. Yea, more than that, when we are introduced to him, we find that he's hiding. Not a likely posture for a deliverer. Not one we'd expect for a master and certainly not one we'd expect out of a hero. Oh yes. But even his enemies testified later in chapter 8 in verse 18. Even his enemies testified that he bore the countenance of a king's son. A king's son indeed. But where do we find this noble born thoroughbred? Serving. <laughs> Stooping down to the lowest menial service to meet the necessities of the hour for his family. Serving. <laughs> oh says our Lord in Matthew in chapter 23 in that now well-known text, Matthew chapter 23 and verse 10, our Lord said, Neither be ye masters, for one is your master, even Christ, verse 10, verse 11, but he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that will humble himself shall be exalted. The Lord clearly instructs that the way to this kind of influence, the way to cast a shadow so greatly for so long is to be found serving. Our Lord says, 
further in the book of John. You know it well. In the book of John in chapter 13, verse 3, you remember that scene. Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things unto his hands and that he was come from God and went to God. He riseth from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. After that he poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet. The job of a servant. The lowest job of a servant. Began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was skirted. And then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? And Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus asked him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Our Lord submitted himself, Lord himself. Our primitive Baptist brethren still retain this activity. We don't believe that it is an ordinance given of God, but it is an activity that some of our Baptist brethren still retain just as a means to keep our hearts in posture and keep our hearts in focus to this requirement, this necessity of ours to be servants, to lower ourselves. Oh, listen, you young men. You need to learn this. Gideon stood so tall as to cast this 40-year shadow that he cast such a shadow over the national life of Israel. He stood so tall because he had learned in the school of servitude. When we introduced to him, he's serving. He's serving. He's just serving. Oh, if you younger women, if you younger women have a virtuous goal aspiring to be someday, to use a British expression, if you aspire to be the lady of the manor, you need to learn to serve. You know, with the passing of the Queen recently, there was all these wonderful memorials to her life. One of the scenes in almost every one of those, there were those little video clips of her back during the war when she went into the transportation division and she drove trucks and she she worked as a mechanic and that was always brought out in these Brief biographies and memorials of her. It was brought out how the queen had served. How she had lowered herself in her royal standings to serve in the military. I say to you, all service to others 
service to others, the spirit of servitude will ready your heart to cast a long shadow of righteousness and usefulness. We're in a generation, we're in the entitlement generation, Brother John. Everybody thinks they're entitled. And nobody wants to lower themselves to serve. And I emphasize, especially to you young ladies, you need to learn to function in the posture of servitude. Serving. What kind of man, what kind of man Cast a shadow for 40 years over the national quietude of an entire nation. A man that's serving. A man that has a servant's heart. And knows the the posture of servitude. Number two, I give you what kind of man, what kind of woman can be found casting such a shadow well, we need look no further than Gideon for the answer. I give you number two, a sacrificing man. A sacrificing man. Again, early in the inspired record of our introduction to this blessed deliverer, we find him ready, nay, more than ready, eager to sacrifice to the Lord. Verse 16. Chapter 6. Verse 16. And Gideon, it's a verse 19. I'm sorry, verse, verse 18. Depart not hence, he said to the angel, I pray thee until I come to thee and bring forth my present. And set it before thee. And he said, I'll tarry till thou come again. And Gideon went in and made ready a kid. And unleavened cakes of an ephah of flour. And the flesh he put in a basket. And he put the broth in a pot and brought it out unto him. Unto the oak and presented it. Right away in chapter 6. Early when we're introduced to this man that's been serving in that wine press. Taking a servant's posture, we find him ready, yea, eager now to sacrifice to the Lord. Ready to sacrifice. Oh, yes. Yes, ready to sacrifice, but not just any sacrifice. But to give the word its supremest meaning. We find in verse 25 that he sacrificed a bullock, the bullock of seven years. The bullock of seven years old. This, as I pointed out at that time in that message back then, this was a supreme sacrifice. Oh, I fear that some of us, some of you here this morning, will settle for a lower place in your service to God because you've denied Him the first place in your willingness to sacrifice. Let's say that again. I fear that some of you will settle for a lower place 
You'll not stand as tall and your shadow won't go very far. Because you've denied him a place of willingness to sacrifice. Surely if Luke 21, if Luke 21 teaches us anything, and I'll not take the time to go through that text, you know it. But if Luke 21 teaches us anything, Verse 21, chapter 21, verse 1. That rich men were casting in their lot and this little poor widow comes along with two mites and cast in her two mites. Poor widow. If we learn anything after Luke, out of Luke 21, it teaches us that God, our God, is not concerned with the size of the gift but the size of the sacrifice. It's not the size of the gift. It's the size of the sacrifice that we learn from that poor woman. And our blessed Lord says of her, our blessed Lord says of her that she has given more than they all. More than they all. How can it be? It was only two mites. Because it wasn't the size of the gift. It was the size of the sacrifice. Which our Lord weighed in the balances. Oh my beloved saints. If you learn anything, if you learn anything from this Bible, it is surely this, that in the economy of our God, the way up is down. The path to riches is poverty. The road to life is through death. Joy is secured through sorrowing. And the hope of a crown is by way of a cross. Hallelujah. Servitude and sacrifice. Oh, how tall, I ask you this morning. How tall do you want to stand? How long do you want your shadow to be? Then I ask it in another way. How low are you willing to stoop? And how much are you willing to sacrifice? Will you give up fame? Will you give up friendships? Oh, I'll bring it closer now. Will you give up family? Will you give up your time? This season will make liars out of many professors. Hear me? This season will make liars out of many professors. They'll put family 
before the truth of God. They'll put feelings before the truth of God. I'm talking about a man that cast a 40-year shadow. That man was a sacrificing man. Number three, what kind of man casts that kind of shadow? A seeking man. Seeking. You see, when we're introduced to Gideon, he didn't know the Lord for sure. (laughs) He wasn't sure. So he set himself at once to find out. He begins with questions. Chapter 6 and verse 13. Oh my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this before us? He starts out with questions. And then verse 15, he just keeps on questioning. Oh my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? He's not sure. He doesn't know what the Lord... He's not clear. So he starts out with questions in verse 13. And then he continues with more questions in verse 15. And then verse 17, we find him seeking more understanding. In verse 17. If now I found grace in thy sight, then... Show me a sign that thou talkest with me. I need to understand, Lord. I need to understand more. <laughs> Surely, you might say, that's it. That's it. That's enough. That's enough to make this humble servant stand tall. But no. No, it's not. We get to verse 37 in this chapter, and we find out that he needs a fleece. To bolster his faith. And then when we get down to verse 39, verse 39 and 40, we find out that he needs more fleas. <laughs> and then you would say, surely, surely that's enough. Surely now that's enough. His seeking days are surely done, but no. He needs more help. In chapter 7 and verse 9, we find out he needs to go down there to that camp and hear some more words that will bolster his faith. Oh, after that, you say, surely, surely, surely now that's it. Surely now he's ready. He'll stand tall. He should be ready now, but oh no, he'll need more specific instruction. He'll need more details in his service. What am I saying to you by saying all this? I'm saying that God's servants, whose delight it is to stand this tall, will be marked by this all the days of their lives. They're seeking Him. Seeking more to understand. Seeking more and more and more to understand him and walk with him. I'm telling you that a man that stands this tall is a seeking man. Oh, no wonder 
No wonder the psalmist said in Psalm chapter 41, As a heart panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. In the Hebrew, I looked up that word panteth. It's to cry. It's to cry. It's a longing that results in crying. Oh, can I just point out to you that it was only when Gideon failed in this that he failed Israel. Only when he failed in this he failed Israel. He went over there to build that ephod. He didn't inquire of the Lord about that. Oh, my beloved saints this morning. Seek him. Seek him. What kind of man was Gideon? He was a seeking man. Seeking the Lord. Oh, never, 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 never tire of seeking the Lord. Didn't know him better. No wonder the psalmist said in Psalm 134, Psalm 34, I'll bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. I sought the Lord. I sought the Lord. And He heard me and delivered me from my fears. They looked unto Him. And were lightened, their faces were ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. They that seek the Lord, seek the Lord. Oh, he was a seeking man. When we get over here to chapter 8 and we read these blessed words, in in, uh, Judges chapter 8, we read the blessed words where he tells us that he is indeed brought peace, peace and quiet to Israel. What kind of man does that? A seeking man. Number four, what kind of man casts this long shadow? A soldiering man. A soldiering man. If the life and record of Gideon is anything, it's the record of war. The life and record of Gideon is anything. It's a record of war. Did you realize this morning that his battles are covered in the contents of three chapters? And his 40 years of peace only merited one third of one verse. The war's records occupy three chapters. And 40 years of peace 
merited only one third of one verse. I'll say it again. If the record of Gideon is anything, it's a record of war. Oh, if the life and record of Gideon is anything, it's a record of war. Can I say to you the hallways, the hallways of the church's history will never be graced with the bronze of your likeness if you've shunned the battle and fled from the war. Oh, I love it. Sometimes I sing it. I know it's an old trite little old camp meeting song, but sometimes in my heart I sing it to myself just to remind me it's a battlefield, brother, not a recreation room. It's a war, not a game. Run if you want to. Run if you will. But I came here to stay. It's a battlefield, brother. Not a recreation room. What kind of man casts a 40 year shadow over an entire nation? A soldiering man. All the scriptures are just too many this morning. For me to turn and read. But you know them well. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 through 13. Put on the whole armor. Put on the whole armor. No man will ever cast a long shadow. Listen now. No man will ever cast a long shadow. Who spent his days cozied up on a couch of safety. And hiding in the caves. Of cowards mountains. It's a soldiering man. Moving now to our fifth consideration. Very quickly. I hasten to try to close. Such a long shadow will be cast by a man whose life is characterized by suffering. He's a suffering man. He's a suffering man. Gideon suffered. I won't take time to read, but starting all the way back at the beginning of his journey, chapter 6, he suffered reproach. You remember his countrymen wanted to kill him in chapter 6. His so-called brethren in chapter 7, the men of Ephraim, they hated him and reproached him. Gideon suffered reproach. Gideon suffered sleepless nights marching through them. Brother Luke brought us a tremendous message on that thought. He's a suffering man. He suffered sleepless nights marching in the dark. He was a suffering man. We find out in chapter 8, verse 5 through 9, he even suffered hunger. He was hungry. His men were hungry. 
My brethren, if a man will cast a long shadow, he'll be a suffering man. Need I bring it to your attention, or says the Holy Spirit already, that man that suffered greater than any man cast the longest shadow into eternity and for all eternity the fruits of his suffering. The shadow is cast all the way through eternity. Oh my brethren, especially you men interested in the ministry, it's not just, it is not just to the delectable mountains of theological pastries to which we're called. <laughs> it's not just to the couches of slumbering ease and quiet recreation that we are called. Oh no, if we would cast a long shadow in our generation and in the generations to come in the ministry, we'll be called to suffering. I wonder if they're sharing that message. Emmerich, I wonder if they're sharing that message with the seminarians at PCC. A man that would cast a shadow like this is a man that's going to learn to be well acquainted with the language of suffering. Number six, and I move quickly. What kind of man? What kind of man would cast such a long shadow of righteousness over a nation? He'd be a submitting man. Submitting to none but the Lord. Verse 23 of chapter 8. Chapter 8 and verse 23. Gideon said unto them, I will not rule over you. Neither shall my sons rule over you. And by implication he's saying, Nobody, nobody, no man is going to rule over you. The Lord shall rule over you. You're going to submit to the rule of Jehovah. Oh, <laughs> What kind of man cast this shadow? A submitting man. A man that's accustomed to submitting to the Lord. Acts chapter 9, Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest, desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogue, that he, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And listen to verse 6. He trembling and astonished said, Lord, what 
wilt thou have me to do? <laughs> oh, he's submitting. He's submitting. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm telling you that a man that would cast a long shadow for righteousness is a man that will find himself trembling and astonished in the presence of this Jesus and submitting and saying, Lord, what will you have me to do? He's a submitting man. Oh, blessed Gideon. No wonder he cast a shadow for 40 years. In closing, I simply want to ask you this. One more time. How long is your shadow? As we close out 2022 and anticipate 2023, oh, it's a serious question for us to ask our hearts, how long is my shadow? Will it last 40 Days after I'm gone? How long will it last? Forty years. We read in our text and Gideon. Thus was Midian subdued before the children of Israel so that they lifted up their heads no more. And the country was in quietness. Forty years in the days of getting all oh, the magnitude, the magnitude of it, the magnitude of the influence of one man's righteousness. May the Lord help us. Turn in your hymn book, please, to number 549. Stand with me and sing with me. Jesus, thou boundless love to me. No thought can reach, no tongue declare. Unite my thankful heart to thee and reign without a rival there. Jesus, thou boundless love to me, no thought can reach, no tongue declare. Unite my thankful heart to thee, and reign without a rival there. Thy love out cheering is its ray. All pain before its presence flies. Care, anguish, sorrow melt away. Where its healing beams arise. 
Oh, let thy love my soul inflame, and do thy service sweetly bind. Transfuse it through my inmost frame, and mold me wholly to thy mind. Thy love in suffering be my peace. Thy love in weakness make me strong. And when the storms of life shall cease, thy love shall be in heaven my soul.